If something is worth doing, it's worth doing badly. This is a genius quote by G.K. Chesterton, and I think it sums up everything I wanted to mention today. So today I want to talk about breaking a stalemate. So many times throughout life we just feel trapped. We feel trapped in our job, or just in some way we feel like we are stuck. And so I want to talk about that feeling and just a few things that might uh, be of some assistance. So I don't say all of this as some uh, optimistic, uh, you know, naturally optimistic CEO who wants you to, like in those, you know, YouTube ads where they're like, I just bought this private jet and if you give me the next 30 seconds, you'll have one too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I want to get into a few patterns I've seen throughout the years of listening to really highly successful people. And just the things that they don't say, but that they seem to have in common. And again, these are things that I'm not necessarily good at, but that just seem to be true. So one thing I noticed, and this is something that really helped me even to to do any of the few things I have done, is that successful people take their ideas seriously, and unsuccessful people don't. So, you know, one type of person, if they have an idea... Uh, let's say for a book title or for a song or for a business or uh, for an invention or anything, one type of person will write it down immediately. So, for example, um, this podcast came out of like a three-word idea. I wrote down the words, two types of embarrassment, and that's all I had. I didn't have anything else. That's all I had. So this whole podcast you know, came out of those few words. And so um, that's a huge difference that if you have an idea, let's say you listen to a lot of podcasts and you have an idea for one, write it down, take it seriously. You're not an idiot. You're not dumber than everybody else who's doing it. You're not too stupid to do it or whatever. And, and you know, that, that may not be the example. I don't know what the example is for your particular case. But if you have an idea, take it seriously, especially if you um, if you're more into the thing than most people are, so for example, I have a friend who is into a lot of like fiction and stuff, and and I said, hey, have you ever thought about writing like a fantasy novel? And of all the years I knew him, this was the one thing that I saw him like come to life when I said that. You could pretty much tell that no one had ever said something like that to him, and I think you know. How many of us have never just had someone say, you know, you really could do something. You really could accomplish something. Like, you know, don't don't write yourself off so easily. And then what most people do is they have an idea. Then they tell themselves, that's a stupid idea. Someone else who's smarter than me already did it. And all the ideas are taken. This is just a rehash I don't have enough time, I'm not smart enough, and I don't know what I'm doing, and this feels awkward. If you're trying to carve a new path for your life, it's really uncomfortable. No conflict, no story. And this is like a principle that uh, screenwriters go by, that if there's no conflict, there's no story. And that is true of our life, that, you know, if you're just kind of in this weird rut, then you need change. You need a little bit of conflict. You know, small ways to do this would be like if you always listen to one kind of music, 
find something that's on the opposite end musically and go listen to it. And, you know, you don't have to make yourself fall in love with it, but really, like, try to understand it. And so, like, if I'm in a rut, like, I'll just go listen to some kind of podcast that I never listened to or find something interesting that I've never heard before or listen to a kind of music that I don't like, really. And then maybe I'll listen to, like, an interview of the people that wrote it so that it will give, like, context to where they're coming from. So, for example, the type of brain that writes jazz music is a different type of brain than, you know, than writes, you know, rock or something. So if you're always in one rut, if you're, if you feel stuck in a rut, then go, like, absorb the pattern of thinking, like, the differences in the structure of, of a different person, you know, there's so much out there. Um, I heard something great the other day, John Acuff said, he said, I don't have writer's block, I have an idea drought. There's no such thing, in his opinion, basically there's no such thing as having writer's block, as being, you know, at a place where you got nothing to say. All that means is that you have a drought of ideas. You ran out of ideas. Nothing new is coming in, but you're expecting something new to come out. So break the sort of molds of your daily pattern. Listen to a podcast you don't usually listen to, music you don't usually listen to, like... Do something differently and take your ideas seriously. If you read a lot of books and then you're, you're, you're halfway down a page and you think, oh, this would be a cool idea for a book, write it down immediately. If it's two words, write it down. If it seems like it's already been done before, write it down. If you have an idea for anything, I have an idea for a video game that I think is a great idea, but I also don't care enough about video games to ever make it. But I am so thankful that I wrote that down. Because, may, I don't know, maybe someday someone else will be able to make it. But even if not, and, and this is where I want to um, keep going with this. Successful people take their ideas seriously, but they don't take them romantically. They don't see them romantically. So people that are, you know, high-functioning or people that, you know, create a lot... They aren't romantic about their ideas. If an idea crashes, they aren't crushed by that. They view themselves as basically like an idea factory. So if one dies, they aren't that worried about that. They know another one is coming. And they take in enough of other people's creation that they know another idea is coming. This isn't the hill that, you know, that they live or die on, this next idea. It doesn't have to be this one. In fact, if it's a good idea, it will keep coming back. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. I was watching a little bit of this uh, Beatles documentary the other day, which again, that's kind of going to something I said a minute ago. I don't really have any interest in the Beatles, but I thought, you know, they're obviously like the biggest band ever, so there's, there's something they're doing right. But something really interesting that uh, McCartney said was that one of the reasons that Beatles songs are really catchy is because they had to remember them and that they didn't really have any way to record their ideas. So only the ones that stuck in their head are the ones that they actually made because they're the only ones they remembered. And I, that's just like, that's such a cool concept to me that because they couldn't record every idea, only the ones that stuck in their head ever made it anywhere. Take your ideas seriously. Write them down. 
Really take them seriously, but do not view them romantically. What most people do is they take their ideas very romantically, but they do not take them seriously. Successful people see themselves as an idea generator. So when the idea dies, when the next idea dies, it isn't that big a deal. They see themselves as a factory of ideas. One will come, another one will come, another one will come. That is who they are. They view themselves as something that churns out ideas. And again, if it's, if it's a good idea, it will come back around. So there's no fear there. They aren't afraid of something, you know, of their whole personhood living or dying on the next idea. But unsuccessful people, people that don't push their own limit, when they do have an idea, they're way too romantic about it. None of this, by the way, I didn't come up with any of this. This is all in the book The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. So, you know, so I credit him for this, but... um. Don't take your ideas romantically. Don't view them romantically. Maybe they're a good idea, maybe they aren't. But don't make it romantic. Just think, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then write it down. Do take it serious, but don't take it romantic. Don't view it romantically. Successful people see themselves as an idea factory, as an idea generator. Unsuccessful people do nothing and daydream about being a celebrity. Even being a celebrity isn't as glamorous as being a celebrity seems in your head. Think about if every person in... Next time you go to Walmart, think about if every person in that parking lot had an opinion of you. And in order for you to keep the level of lifestyle that you have, you had to maintain a positive image in the eyes of every one of those people See, that life isn't really as perfect as you think in your head. Nothing truly is. I heard something the other day that the grass is brown on both sides. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of truth to that, that life has a lot of disappointment in it. The next thing, and this is a huge key when it comes to creating anything, a business idea, a song idea, any idea, don't tell people until it's done. If I write a song, because I've done this before, I, you know, so I just I messed this up, and then that's how I figured out to to try to stop messing it up. If I write the first half of a song, and then I tell people about it, the second half never happens. And I think the reason for that is that a huge part of the payoff for me is the attention. The attention of other people, the validation that like look like, oh, you wrote a song? That little thing that I get from that, that is a huge part of the payoff. So if I get the payoff halfway through, then there is no incentive for me to finish. So don't tell people about your idea until it's like died in the wool, until after you've kind of made it. The other reason not to tell people too soon is that the earlier an idea is, the more delicate it is. So if you tell me about your business idea that you thought of this morning, and I just give you like a glance, just sort of like a slightly negative glance, because I'm thinking about something mean that someone said to me a few hours ago, that could crush you. That could crush that idea. 
even though it may not have anything to do with you. Or maybe you have a business idea for something that I either don't care about or could never personally accomplish, and because I couldn't do it, I think you couldn't do it. This brings me to the next thing. Never let someone else's ceiling become your ceiling. A lot of times what we end up doing is we get comfortable enough where we feel like we're not dying, and then we just stop. We end up living in the mold of another person because it beats being alone. If you're going to do the most you can with your life, if you're going to really go for broke, it's more lonely than not doing that. And most people decide everything on that. For most people, they would rather not be alone but fit in than to really see what they could accomplish with their life. But then you're going to live with a glass ceiling. A glass ceiling you didn't even choose. Most people don't even choose the glass ceiling that they're living under. They're under someone else's glass ceiling. Just because they want to fit somewhere. Rather than trying to fit by creating their own paradigm, they just fit into someone else's paradigm. And then eventually they feel this deep depression that they didn't do what they knew they could have. This doesn't mean that, oh, if you don't get rich, then you're going to be depressed one day that you aren't rich. Something several studies have shown that after your basic needs are met, money doesn't increase your happiness that much. That if your basic needs aren't met, then getting to a point of wealth where they are, that really does increase your happiness. And that makes perfect sense. But after that, after your needs are pretty much taken care of, all the money above that doesn't increase your happiness that much. That at that point, it's kind of time to change gears from make money to, you know, to how do we have camaraderie or how do I increase my, you know, my level of uh, interaction with friends or, or it's kind of time to like change the goal at that point. And being rich is cool. And if you want to be rich, then then go ahead. Um, uh, you know, some people are just like wired for business. And thank God they are, because how much worse would the world be if no one was? So uh, I'm not uh, turning my nose up at people that want to make a lot of money. But this brings us to the next thing. Another lie that we tend to believe is that, oh, successful people, they're just attention-hungry and power-hungry, and they're just, like, trying too hard, and, and, you know, why would I want to do that anyway? This comes from a false idea of what success is. Successful people may not be the people you picture when I say successful people. Because fulfillment comes from fit, not glamour. We don't get fulfillment necessarily from glamour, from doing the most glamorous thing. This is kind of like an immature way of, of looking at the rest of life. Like, oh, I wish I could be that Instagram model, and since I can't, life sucks, or something like that. In reality, doing something that fits the shape you have is the thing that will give you enjoyment. So doing this podcast, and I always use this example because I don't have any other example because I've never been anyone else. But doing this podcast brings me a lot more fulfillment than playing music in front of people did. Because I love writing music because that's like creation. But then after that, 
playing music in front of people is promotion. And that made me super depressed. I don't totally know why, but it just did. And so the podcast allows me to create without promoting. That if, if there's any way to promote this podcast, it's by creating the next one rather than going around and trying to get people hyped. You know, trying to be a hype man just made me super like depressed. So it did not fit my shape. And this, this goes on to the next thing. So don't look for glamour. Look for fit. That you're much better off doing something non-glamorous that really fits the shape you have than awkwardly forcing yourself into something that you think is trendy. We all know those people that are awkwardly trying to be trendy. That is not cool. It's not fulfilling. It's not anything. Even if you just look at the most shallow metric, it does it is it cool? There's nothing more shallow than that, but even on that level it fails. It's we all know people that do that. It's so just off. So don't look for glamour. What is glamorous? Look for what fits the shape you have. And this is the next thing. Don't think that there are talented people and they get to do all the cool stuff and then there's you. And, and you're just a bag of meat. You don't need talent to enjoy life or to fit, to, to create a paradigm that fits the shape that you have. This is not tied to whether you can draw, whether you can sing, what, or nothing like that. You have a shape, and there's no way you couldn't. If you're alive, you have a shape. You do have something that would fit. And it has no bearing on your artistic ability. So don't use that cop-out. That, oh, I'm not talented. Don't No. Just not buying it. Because you don't need talent to really get fulfillment out of something. Um, it doesn't come by glamour. It comes by fit. So how do we figure that out then? I know someone who is, uh, is looking at becoming a professional baseball player. And um, I hope that that works out for them. And, you know, I have no idea um, if it will or not. Obviously, they would know better than me, um, you know, the likelihood of that. But you may look at that and go, that's very unlikely that you would get to be at the top of something like that. It's very unlikely. Most people that want to become a professional baseball player don't. And this is something Dennis Prager said the other day that, for most of us, our life doesn't become the ideal that we had when we were young. And that's okay. But what do we do? If an old ideal dies, what do we do? If an old you know, dream dies, if it becomes out of reach, what do we do? And his comment was, just make a new one. And how do we do that? Rather than putting all our eggs in one basket, view yourself as basically... A collection of traits. So let's take this baseball example. If you wanted to become a professional baseball player, but you weren't able to reach that height, let's say you know you just played college or you went on to do minor leagues or whatever, but you never went as far as your dream said that you should, then what do you do after that? Look for the elements in baseball that you could find somewhere else. So just for example, Look for something that has a lot of camaraderie and a lot of competition. That if baseball is your thing, and you think, I'm going to go be a professional baseball player, and after years of trying, you don't make it as far as you wanted, 
then what do you do as that dream falls away? Look for something with a lot of camaraderie and a lot of competition. Because if I had to guess, what people get out of playing baseball at a high level is that team sports have a huge amount of camaraderie, a huge amount of like friendship, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder feeling with other people that you're on a team with, and then they have a lot of competition. So there's a lot of uh, fulfillment that comes from those elements. You get a lot of fulfillment out of the camaraderie, and you get a lot of fulfillment out of the competition. So what are other areas of life that involve those two things? And that if you were to find a new ideal, a new goal, that had the two elements you're looking for, then you might find that you get more out of it than you thought. So take the dream that you have and say, okay, even if I don't get there, what are the elements, what are the sort of essences of that thing, and where else can I find them? If you dream of being a professional baseball player and it doesn't work out for you, then you're probably longing for camaraderie and competition. And you can find those two things in a lot more places than just baseball. So for each of us, maybe our childhood dream died. Maybe we have to find a new goal. But look for the elements, the things that you're deeply longing for in that original dream. And look for where else can they be found. And the last thing is fix your goal. If I find myself in a rut where all I'm doing is daydreaming, I'm not really doing anything, I'm not really changing anything, I'm just daydreaming because I'm too scared to really break any of the molds or the ruts that I'm currently in, then one of the things I need to do is fix the goal. Maybe you can't become that celebrity, but maybe that's okay. Maybe the goal needs fixing. The goal is to do some good. Not to single-handedly fix the world's problems. When I get a lot of anxiety about doing this podcast or out of being out of ideas, having nothing to say, having nothing worthwhile to say, or just feeling awkward about the sound of my own voice or something, I try to remember this. I just want to do some good. You're not alone. If you do something and it fails, it's okay. You are not single-handedly holding up the world, and the world will not go down if you fail. You do not single-handedly hold up the universe and you should not feel the stress of someone who does. Fix the goal. The goal is to do some good, not to fix the whole world. If I find that I'm not valuing my own efforts enough, a way to fix that, at least for me, is to value other people's work more. There's a podcast that comes out every Wednesday with two guys in Britain and they just talk about Uh, They talk about snack food, and then they talk about video games. And I love that podcast. Every Wednesday, I wait, and I refresh, and I refresh, and I refresh, waiting for it to come out. And they're just two guys, and they're going to end up talking about, like, ice cream and stuff, and then they're going to talk about video games. I don't even really play video games very much, but I love this podcast. And if I find that I don't see enough value in what I'm doing, the way that I fix that, is by valuing other people's work more. If you like something, like it more. Get more into the thing that you're into. We need to leave this childish embarrassment of liking things, of enjoying things. We just just ditch that. 
if you think that your life is meaningless and the things that you try to put your hand to are meaningless, then put a lot more value into what other people are doing. I read something the other day that George MacDonald said, and he said, those who never forgive other people don't believe God can forgive them. That if you don't believe God can forgive you, it's probably because you never forgive anyone else. And that applies to this same thing. If you think that your life is meaningless, and that the things that you would try to do are meaningless, then a way to fix that is to value the things you like more. If you like a podcast, go write a review telling the people who wrote it how much you love it. Let yourself like it. Let yourself like it more. Get more into the things that you're into. Value them more. And you will eventually find that your life and your work also exist in that brighter place. That after you value other people more, then you'll find that you are allowed to like your own work more, to see it as more valuable, without there being any weirdness. i got two more things to mention. The next one is, how do you know if you're doing well? There are certainly obvious ways to know if you're doing well, such as if you're on a, sitting on your private island right now, then you probably did something well, at least in the money category. But how do we really know if we're on the right track? Because being on the right track is really the feeling of happiness. You know, that happiness comes from this feeling like, I'm where I should be, that we're growing, that we're expanding. So there are certainly obvious ways to figure that out. But a less obvious way is how do you take a compliment? How good are you at taking a compliment? If you either get way too into the compliment and try to get the person to repeat it and then sort of obsess over it, or if you do that weird, awkward thing that people often do where they like stumble over themselves and go, oh man, I didn't do, I mean, no, I didn't do anything. I mean, I mean, if you do either of those things, then something is off. If you take too much out of the compliment, or if you don't let yourself take it, then something is off. But if with no arrogance, you can just say, thank you, that means so much. I'm glad it did what it was supposed to do. If someone compliments something you did, and without arrogance, you can say, thank you so much for saying that. I'm glad it did what it was intended to do. Then you, that is an indicator that you're in the right place, that things are fitting. But if you can't take a compliment, or if you take too much out of it, then something is off, then something is out of balance. That as Lewis said, we want to be in a place where we view ourselves and others as deeply meaningful. That I take my own work and I view it as positively as if someone else made it, and I view someone else's work as positively as if I had made it. That we view ourselves and others as deeply meaningful creatures that God loves. That it applies to them, and it applies to you. And the last thing is go deep, not wide. If you have to focus your efforts in one area, my advice is to go deep, not wide. If you chase fame, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But the real problem is not that you might fail at it, but that you might succeed at it, and it not feel the way you think. But if you go deep, then that you will not regret. Kim Kardashian is known all over the world as a famous person with a famous butt. But that's about it. 
But there's a guy down the street here whose name I won't mention. And he's not famous for anything. But he changed my life. My life every single day is different because he lived. Because of the things that he spoke into my life. Because he went deep with me. And he didn't worry about if it was making him more or less famous. He went deep with me. And my life is forever different because he lived. That if you have to choose from trying to go wide or going deep, go deep. And let fame come or go. Because you will either chase meaning or you will chase pleasure. And for the people that have meant the most to me are not the people that chased pleasure or chased fame. They're the people that sowed deeply into my life and were not concerned about what they got out of it. That if you want to have an impact on people, if you really want to leave a mark, then go deep, not wide. I love you guys. I hope this has blessed you.